WHBK 88.5 Radio. This is Abu Bindad speaking, your friendly neighborhood genie, and you're listening to Ira Harmon's Pop Machine, which starts right now. When Dad needed help getting around, I became his driver. Soon enough, it was up to me to be his housekeeper and financial manager, too. When he moved in, I became his cook and even his nurse. But no matter what roles I play, I know I'm still his daughter. We understand the roles you play. So to help, we created aarp.org caregiving, where you can connect with experts and other caregivers. Visit aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. The mob wanted Harlem back. They got Shaft. John Shaft, a big, bad black private eye, in the middle of a mess, dealing with Harlem's boss, the Fuzz, the Moth, and the Fox or two. Shaft's his name. Can you dig it? Shaft's his game. Some dig it. Some don't. Shaft, this year's toughest flick. You say this cat is a bad mother. Shut your mouth. I'm talking about Shaft. Then we can dig it. Introducing Richard Roundtree as Shaft. Directed by Gordon Parks. Music by the hot buttered soul man, Isaac Hayes. Shaft. In color from MGM, rated R. If you want to see Shaft, ask your mama.
You've got a passion. You've got a passion. It's called peace. You've got a passion. You've got a passion.
get set for a mind-blowing afternoon. Attention Class A drivers, you have 15 minutes to qualify. Now you're getting with it.
PK 88.5 FM, the pride of the South Side. It's me, your heart. High blood pressure is serious, and if you think I'm just going to keep ticking away, you're wrong. I can quit whenever I want, but I like my job. Just treat me better. Maybe we can do some exercise on occasion? After all, we're in this together. Don't let your heart quit on you. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get yours to a healthy range before it's too late. Find out how at heart.org slash blood pressure. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. Doc Films. Check out Doc Films at the University of Chicago, a repertory cinema specializing in art house and classic cinema. On the weekends, Doc shows major Hollywood pictures as well. You can see the full calendar at docfilms.org. And now for something completely different. God damn! I did it big this year. From cable, nigga, goddamn. Thanks for coming out and thanks for making a nigga feel comfortable in the gayest place on earth. <laughs> you guys got Disney World jealous out this was. Man, I didn't really think it was that gay at first. I was like, what is everybody? Because when I was coming out, everyone was like, man, that place is really gay. <laughs> so, what was everybody talking about? It's not so gay. And then I. I wandered into that Castro. God damn. Was, I said, this is America's anus right here. This is, this is deep. Went to that tenderloin. There's nothing tender about that at all. It's, that was rough. The opposite of tender. I have never seen crack smoke so casually before. These niggas was... 
sitting in front of Starbucks smoking crack and drinking coffee. I said, this is off the hook. Talking about politics. I seen one crackhead trying to break into somebody's car, man, and it struck a chord with me. I tried to stop him. I said, hey! And he looked back and saw me and said, oh, keep an eye out. I said, nigga, that was me that said that. I'm trying to help you. Stop. Crackheads are like that. I had a crackhead break my car window one time. Broke it! You know what he stole? Candy bar I had lying on the seat. That's all he took. It's a goddamn candy bar. I was so mad, I drove around the neighborhood for five hours looking for a crackhead with chocolate on his face. I, I did that. I finally found what I grabbed it. I said, hey man, what's all this chocolate on your face? He looked confused. Chocolate? This is doo-doo, baby. I said, ah! Oh, man. This place is insane. But you know what I like about San Fran and the reason I picked this city to do my special is because of all the major cities in America, somehow people get along here better than anywhere else I've seen in the country. That's right. That's right. And I always admired San Fran for that. And today I realized how you did it. Put all the niggas on the other side of that bridge. There's nothing, this shit ain't happy on that side. <laughs> you leave San Francisco like, bye, thanks for coming to San Francisco. Come back in April, we're having a sale on Birkenstocks. As soon as you get to the other side, welcome to Oakland, bitch. Quick, quick. crazy but it, it also would feel like it's the east coast city in the west coast you guys got subways i'm scared of public transportation i was on a bus that was held hostage 45 minutes it wasn't life threatening i don't want to give you that impression it was a dude jerking off but it was scary son it was scary because right before it happened i was on the bus smoking a cigarette it's a long story it's not the coolest shit i ever did and people freaked out. <laughs> sir! <laughs> sir, put that goddamn cigarette out, okay? This is everybody's air, sir. I flicked it. I didn't want any trouble. And just at that moment, coincidentally, this homeless dude out of nowhere pulls his dick out, started beating off. And I was furious. Because nobody said to this guy, they were just looking like. <laughs> I was the only one on the bus that had the balls to say anything to him. And it's not even like I was brave, really. It was that, you know. I was sitting next to the motherfucker. I had to say something. <laughs> Come on, dog, you hit my elbows. Stop. <laughs> Son, stop. That's all I said. I was, I didn't want to say too much. Guys beating off on the bus means there's something wrong with it. He, he's not wrapped so tight. I didn't want to push him over the edge. As soon as I said something, all these dummies on the bus, now they're brave. <sighs> he's right. Put your goddamn cock away. I don't want to see this anymore. I don't want to see it either. Yeah! Now the guy flips out. All right, everybody, back up. Back up. 
I tried to be nice about this. Now everybody freaks out. Oh my God, it's a biological attack. I'm caught in the middle. I can't lose my cool. I said, hey, everybody, just calm down or you're going to get me shot. So I'll just be cool. Let's do what this man says so he'll leave us alone. Now everybody gets quiet. is better. <laughs> and then he started walking up and down the aisles just terrorizing us. <sighs> and then he starts making demands. You in the pink shirt. Squeeze your tits together. <gasps> oh God, no. No. You! Stick your finger in your butt! Why? Oh God, why is this happening? Oh God, oh God. He was working my way. It was tight. Just that minute. I got saved, dudes. I was so lucky. This guy at the other end of the bus, he snapped. He lost his mind. I seen it happen. Ah! He screamed out, Rush him! He can't come on all of us and charge him out. And it was like a movie. This homeless dude seen him coming and shot one off. Ah! <laughs> I dodged it like the Matrix. Niggas, oh, oh. <laughs> the guy behind me wasn't so lucky, yo. No! Oh! <laughs> that was gross. It didn't kill him, but it was... You're not gonna have a normal day if the homeless dude busted none on your forehead at 8.30 in the morning. That's a wrap on the rest of the day. Ah! This guy was freaking out. It burns! Oh! 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 Everyone was standing around looking at him. Even the homeless dude felt bad. I guess he was finished. He came back to his senses. Oh, this is my stop. I said, relax, relax. Oh, I can't. I got AIDS. I know it. I said, you can't get AIDS from a homeless dude busting a knot on your forehead. That's not how it spreads. I don't even know if that's true. That's just what I told him, man. He was so scared I had to say something. I don't know where AIDS comes from. Who knows? Scientists don't even know. Scientists still say AIDS started because somebody had sex with a monkey. Word. <laughs> After all this research, this is the best explanation that you came up with, mother. Nobody has monkeys and people, you idiot. You're either monkeys or your people. That's it. There's no in between. You're not going to get some monkey pussy on Tuesday and then be like, oh, let me call Charlene on Thursday. No. Once you feel monkey, that's a firm decision. I'm out of the human pussy game for good. It's ridiculous. You act like monkeys are just as open as waiting for people, man. It's ridiculous. Monkeys don't want to be by people. Think about it. Think how hard it would be to catch a monkey. That's ridiculous. That's how it had to go down. Who do you think you're just going to walk up to him in the woods and bribe this nigga with uh, fruits and bananas? 
Hey, buddy. Hey. Yeah. There you go, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. There you go, your big bright red ass. How strong a monkey is would rip your dick off like the celery stalk. Throw that in the tall grass to never be seen again. Hey, dog, we're gonna go to the club, pick up some girls you're trying to roll. Nah, man, I'm cool. I'm gonna stay home, dog. Chill with my monkey. You know how long it took me to train this monkey to suck without peeling it? Mm. Last night, Chim Chim jerked me off with his feet. Nigga, only a monkey can show you that kind of love and tenderness. So y'all can keep these people if you want, niggas. More monkey pussy for me. Hooking up with an orangutan next week. It's chimps and orangutans. You know who I feel real bad for is, is Indians. Everybody feels bad for Indians. They get dogged, they get dogged openly because everybody thinks they're dead. Because they're not all dead, all right? I've seen, with my own eyes, I've seen a gathering of 1,500 Native Americans. They were all gathered in one place. The place is called um, Walmart in New Mexico. There's Indians there. I'd never seen Indians before. I wasn't even sure if they were Indians. I asked one of them. That's not nice, but I seen them in the sports section looking at bows and arrows. I had to say something. Excuse me. I don't mean to be rude. Um, are you an Indian? And he was cool. Yes. Yes, I'm Indian. Still didn't believe him. I had to test them to be sure. But I had a gum wrapper in my pocket, so I balled it up and I threw it on the floor. And a single tear came out of his eye. I said, oh. I had so many questions. So what tribe are you from? I am a Navajo. I said, word. I studied you in social studies. You're a hunter-gatherer, correct? He said, I guess so. That's what you wish to call it. I said, why? What do you call it? He said, I am an alcoholic. (laughs) I said, well, what's your name, dog? He said, please. Dog is my cousin. That's a good guess. My name is Running Coyote. What is your name, friend? And that caught me off guard. I mean, I didn't want to say my name was Dave to Running Coyote. This don't feel good enough. He just put me on the spot. I said, huh? My name, what? Oh, my name's uh, Blackfeet. (laughs) Then I changed the subject. Forget about me. What's going on with you? I want to meet your chief. 
Why don't me, you, and your chief and your friends get together tonight? We could have a real live peace pipe smoking ritual. We need to celebrate, nigga. I thought you were dead. <laughs> and he set it up. It was beautiful. It was just like I dreamed. We was all sitting around. Them Indians was beating the drum. <laughs> Some other Indians came out the back with a long blanket that was folded in half and put in, in front of us. Open it up. And on the blanket was a long wooden pipe with feathers. And bags of weed were all over the blanket. <laughs> chief walked over. The big ones are 50. The little ones are 25. And these are 10. Jack on fake news and the media titled hydrogen and stupidity the two most abundant things in existence a lie can travel halfway around the world while the truth is putting on its shoes. Now who said that? What's the truth about who said that? Was it Mark Twain? Some of you might think so. Winston Churchill, some of you heard it was him. Thomas Jefferson, some of you heard he said it. Ann Landers, some of you heard that she said it. None of them ever said it. Jonathan Swift said it, or at least that's the truth that is supposedly correct. And that's the truth that we're going to go with because this is about alternate reality and fake news. What is real? What is not? What is truth? What is lie? Alternate reality, fake news. Is this a new phenomenon or is it an old phenomenon or as old as news itself? Are we giving a new name to the same old tricks? Can you imagine a town crier walking through the streets yelling, it is 12 o'clock and all is well. Well, in reality, all hell's breaking loose in the town square. That would be an example of uh, the town crier giving you fake news. But why would he do that? Well, let's take a look at this fake news phenomenon and figure out how to tell the truth from a lie. What is a truth and what is a lie? What's the purpose of the truth? What's the purpose of a lie? In the end, I'll bet we wind up right where we started, not being able to tell the difference. Because one person's truth is another person's lie. And what we believe is based on faith. So, how can we actually know anything? for certain. Certain philosophers have based their entire lives trying to figure that out. We're not going to dig into what they thought. We're just going to take a look at it 
in our own way. We're smack in the middle of the information glut. It's an embarrassment of riches. We knew it was coming. The personal computer proliferation near the end of the last century signaled the beginning of the information age. We thought it was going to make information easy to manage and easy to access. That was true for a time, a short time, a little window of time during the honeymoon period. But it's been about almost 20 years now or longer and the marriage has not panned out the way we thought. In fact, the opposite has been the result. Our marriage to information has been rife with duplicity, mendacity, inaccuracies, abjured veracity, and confusion. Data is, after all, a commodity, and it's a commodity to the point now that today we wage war with each other by stealing or manipulating that data. You're more likely to get mugged by a computer than by a thug in an alley these days. The gatekeepers, that mystic group of people who once kept information locked behind closed doors, inside a black box, to be kept secret from our eyes, the black box has been ripped open, and like Pandora, technology has unleashed chaos into the world. We have malicious computer viruses like Stuxnet that caused the nuclear program in Iran to be derailed and vandalized. We have presidential elections that are stolen by computer hacking. Whether it really happened that way is anybody's guess. And no one can really tell with all the fake news and mendacity and veracity floating around clashing and splashing all over the media. Is that fake news or is that the truth? Now Jimmy Kimmel has proved our gullibility many times by pulling off prank after prank on the internet and showing us for the suckers that we are because we fell for his prank every time. Our thinking can be hacked anytime and anywhere. Who knows what is real out there? So much information is coming at us every day that we can't possibly make sense of it all. What is real and what is fake? What is the truth and what is a lie? Let's take a look at what we believe to be the gospel truth and what we believe to be mendacious bullshit. Before we've done some of what you thought was the truth will sit naked before your eyes as the lie it has always been. And other things you thought to be false will be revealed as the truth. Since the days of the early newscasters, we've been conditioned to look to the news media for the truth of events happening in our world. Lately, we find that reporters make stuff up out of thin air. They've always done that. Like attributing a quote to someone to spice up a story. But these days, they've crossed an ethical line. They're making up stories from whole cloth. So if we can't trust the fourth estate to report the truth, where do we look for it? Who is the keeper of the truth? Which is more powerful? 
the truth or the lie which is more dangerous what about what we believe is what we believe the truth or a lie how can we tell the difference truth is a discovery usually a lie is an invention often but one can often be confused with the other a lie is a creation usually created to fill a need or to control a situation truth sometimes creates chaos and discomfort truth can be disruptive but truth is relative the bearer of truth takes a risk just like the inventor of a lie but a lie puts a distance between the liar and the lie truth is delivered by a messenger who is usually standing right there to suffer the consequences don't kill the messenger Galileo discovered the truth about the planets revolving around the Sun but when the church threatened his life because of that knowledge that truth he decided wisely it may be better to keep his mouth shut and keep the truth under wraps that inquisition after all was serious business and he wisely decided not to insist on the truth being told who cared if people were being told that the earth was the center of the universe fake news baby Galileo was down with it when we're children we are told to tell the truth we hear this and yet we still hesitate to tell the truth because the truth always comes with consequences we don't always want to shoulder that kind of responsibility that's understandable sometimes the truth comes with unpleasantness sometimes we are punished for telling the truth either directly or indirectly that's why we have a judicial system so nobody has to tell the truth the court system exists not to determine the truth but to determine what kind of justice will be done because it's usually impossible to get to the truth the tattletale is punished along with the person tattled on again the truth is relative this lesson is usually learned in grammar school you believe what your parents told you about telling the truth you believe the truth is its own reward until you find yourself in the corner with the bad kid that you tattled on you learn next time you see that bad kid do a bad thing you'll keep it to yourself if the teacher asks you for the truth you come up with the fake news that you didn't see anything from now on your name is Bennett and you ain't in it you quickly learn that truth is overrated but for some reason you still demand it you don't want to give it but you demand it from others it's irrational to want to get what you don't want to give truth is kind of like money a lie is like counterfeit money you print it up yourself and it spins just the same ask any politician who deals in counterfeit truth and fake promises we don't need to name any names there is more reward in a lie than in the truth a lie gives you an immediate reward check the box next to Bernie Madoff now if there's any truth in a name then the guy that 
Madoff with the money was named Madoff after all. If only people were paying closer attention, there was some truth in the advertising. Sometimes we are punished for a lie. Sometimes we're not. The truth is always heavy to bear. But if we can't carry it, we can hide the truth behind more lies. The lie told enough times can seem like the truth. Layer upon layer of bullshit. It's hard to carve your way through to the truth. It's easier to believe something negative or bad about another person than to believe something good about that person because it seems like you've been given the truth. Bad stuff always seems to be true. We've been taught as children that the truth is the right way to go. We soon realize that our parents just don't want to be lied to. They deal in the grown-up world of lies all day long. Every day is a bullshit festival. The last place they want to deal with more of it is when they get home to the family. So they tell their kids that the truth is demanded of them. That way they have an easier time of figuring out what the punishment's going to be. Parents, on the other hand, lie to their children all the time about all sorts of things. The fact that parents tell their children it's better to always tell the truth, that in itself is a lie. Parents lie directly or by omission, and that is where we all learn to lie. Kids aren't stupid. The school for liars is in session at home with our parents as the headmasters. Kids figure out pretty quickly how to lie to their parents. I mean, they're learning from their parents. Teenagers are prolific liars, even though they're not very good at it. Oh, I know they think they are. You teenagers listening, you think your lies are the bomb, but eh, everyone said the same lies before you thought them up. Some parents, they know they're being lied to, but they pretend to believe that their kids' bullshit is the truth because... They don't want to tip off the kids and have the kids become better liars, making it harder for them to tell the truth when they hear it. But we go out into the world of liars looking for something to believe in, something we can faithfully and truly put our hearts in. Sometimes we look out and find something to believe in, and hopefully it's ourselves, but if not, there's always something external something faith-based something we can delude ourselves with because there's comfort in delusion and delusion is an ingredient of faith you have to be a little delusional to believe things on faith alone believe things that can't be proven or haven't been proved and i'm not going there i know what you're thinking where there's no proof there's faith and where there's faith there's delusion Denying this truth is delusional in itself. Let's talk about gossip. If I was to attempt to spread gossip about how great someone is or the fantastic things they've done, I doubt the information would travel very quickly. Good news does not travel. Not that quickly. 
good news can diminish us and make us feel less than we can be comfortable with especially if it's good news about a person and their goodness and their virtual their virtues and such just ask Jesus his story took a while longer to get around than it would have if he was doing great evil at the same time uh, great evil takes a long time to get around because evil is often hidden from view avoiding detection waiting to be discovered or uncovered like the truth that it is just ask Hitler and ask him about the final solution we take comfort in lies like the Emperor's new clothes we can pretend until someone doesn't go along and points out the truth that there's nothing to see there but the naked truth we hear something bad about a person and we latch on to it like it was a familiar truth we are skewed toward believing in evil before good we don't have to witness evil to believe in it we do however want to witness good before we believe some good was done we want proof we have expressions like seeing is believing I'll believe it when I see it show me the eyes have it the proof is in the pudding and on and on when it comes to believing something evil or bad we don't need to see it we don't ask for proof we just go uh-huh I knew it it begs the question answering a question we already had an answer for so it fits right in we want to believe in the darkness our darker nature has a stranglehold on our spirituality to be human is to believe in the darkness maybe that's not pessimism but a keen understanding of our probabilities as human beings I wasn't there to see Bill Cosby or OJ Simpson do any of the things they are accused of doing so many other people who were nowhere on the scene believe faithfully in their guilt because they need to and they want to is Woody Allen a child molester because he married his daughter most people choose to ignore that was Jared Fogle, the Subway Sandwich spokesman, a serial child rapist and kitty porn distributor because his computers were loaded with the stuff and his friend and employee got caught doing it too. I wasn't there when these people did their disturbing deeds, but any beliefs that I hold are faith-based. They have to be because I wasn't there. I don't know the truth. Not really. I just choose to believe out of faith whether or not they did it or they didn't I'll never know the truth because I wasn't there we need to examine some of the things that we almost universally agree on to be truth and see if it holds up to closer scrutiny I'm going to stay away from religion and politics because on those belief systems I wouldn't win any arguments about truth and misconception I would just get on the merry-go-round and my whole point here is to get to a conclusion so let's have some fun with the list of things that we all believe or disbelieve one way or another and see what the most recently established beliefs are getting closer to some truth or debunking some falsehood for what it is let's start with Twinkies 
we've all heard that Twinkies can last for seven years without going rancid. Some of you believe that, some of you don't. Some of you have no weighing in on the matter at all. Some of you would never eat a Twinkie. Some of you are giving them to your kids right now. What is the established truth about Twinkies? Number one, Twinkies. Twinkies, this is the reality now, according to Wikipedia. Twinkies have a shelf life of approximately 45 days. They used to have 25 day shelf lives in their original formulation, but this is far shorter than the common and somewhat jocular myth of the cakes being edible for decades or longer. They generally remain on a store shelf for only 7 to 10 days and then the rack jobber comes and takes the unsold Twinkies probably to a second tier grocery store where they might be marked down or they might wind up at a dollar store. I don't know where they go. Number two, still dealing with the Twinkie because Twinkies have a history. The Twinkie defense. Dan White when he shot Harvey Milk and I forgot the other guy's name in San Francisco back in the late 70s early 80s it was it is believed that he was acquitted because he ate a Twinkie and claimed that the Twinkie made him murderous uh, that's not what happened according to Wikipedia no one ever claimed in court that Twinkies made them commit a crime in the murder trial of Dan White now listen carefully, this is court logic. In the murder trial of Dan White, the defense attorney successfully argued diminished capacity. That was what the case was predicated on. Diminished capacity as a result of severe depression. While eating Twinkies was given as evidence of depression, because you pretty much got to be depressed to shove a bunch of Twinkies down your face. Mindless eating and staring at a spot on the wall and shoving Twinkies and mumbling to yourself. Yeah, that's depression. It was never claimed to be the cause of the murders. The Twinkies did not cause the murders. The Twinkies were simply evidence of Dan White's state of depression. And that was related to his diminished capacity to keep his moral compass away from murder. Despite this, people often claim that White's attorneys argued that Twinkies made him commit the murders. Bingo! The Twinkie defense. Okay, so if you believe that there was such a thing as a Twinkie defense, then you now know better. Well, let's see, number three. Abner Doubleday did not invent baseball. What? Sacrilegious? apple pie american flag whatever the rest of it is baseball okay so abner doubleday got credit for something he did not invent it's usually hard to claim that you invented a sport i forgot who supposedly invented basketball but uh supposedly put two peach baskets up and then uh in a gym class that sounds believable i'll go with that but back to abner doubleday he did not invent baseball nor did it originate in Cooperstown, New York. 
uh-oh, we've been bullshitted again. It is believed to have evolved from other bat and ball codes, such as cricket, you remember that, and rounders. And it first took its modern form in New York City with all those immigrants, you remember? That makes sense. Moving on, let's go back to medieval times. We've been told that the uh, medieval Europeans believed the earth was flat. Now, I wasn't there, so I don't know what people believed. But I was told that they believed the earth was flat. Okay. I think modern people believe it's flat. We got flat earthers, right? Even though you can fly over the planet, shoot rockets off of it, look back at it and say, eh, that round thing there, is that a disc or a sphere? Okay. Medieval Europeans did not believe Earth was flat. In fact, from the time of the ancient Greek philosophers, Plato and Aristotle and those guys walking around in robes talking to themselves, belief in a spherical Earth remained almost universal among European intellectuals. Oh, it must have been the ignorant beer-drinking rabble that thought it was flat, just like their heads. As a result, Christopher Columbus's efforts to obtain support for his voyages were hampered not by belief in a flat earth but by valid worries that the East Indies were farther than he realized. You know maps were kind of screwed up back then and we didn't have GPS. Or did we? If the Americas had not existed our friend Columbus would surely have run out of supplies before reaching Asia. So he would have run out of gas before he even got here. Uh, to Asia anyway. Okay, so number five. You've all heard that George Washington had wooden teeth. Mm, sounds good. But George Washington did not have wooden teeth. His dentures, wooden teeth would have been better because when you find out what they were made of, you're gonna like wince a little. His dentures were made of gold. Well, so far, so good. He was a rapper. Hippopotamus ivory, hmm. Lead, now that was dangerous, having lead in your mouth. He had some animal teeth in there. So, you know, his teeth were just, you know, he had everything in his mouth. He had horse and donkey teeth in there. And he probably had some human teeth that he borrowed from a couple of slaves. You know, Mazel, what should I do with uh, Bubba? He dead. Uh, well, cut those teeth out and then toss them on the pile with those other dead uh, slaves over by there. Okay, so uh, you've also heard that in history that Napoleon Bonaparte was a midget, uh, a little person, well, short, uh, hence the Napoleon complex in our language that we label men of vertically challenged men uh, supposedly have a complex, a Napoleon complex, but anyway, might have to rename that uh, the uh, Hervé Villachez complex because Napoleon was not short. He was actually slightly taller than the average Frenchman of his time. 
after his death in 1821, the French emperor's height was recorded as five feet two inches in French feet. But in English measurements, his height was five seven. Now, some believe that he was nicknamed Le Petit Corporal, the little corporal, as a term of affection. Napoleon was often accompanied by his imperial guard who were selected for their height. Naturally, you want some big dudes, you know, your bodyguards look intimidating. This could have contributed to a perception that he was relatively short. Now remember, there was a, the metric system was being introduced during Napoleon's reign. And there was an older system that he was trying to phase out and they realized they had to get measurement sticks out rulers and stuff to everyone but on the retail level people were getting cheated because of this change and this confusion between one old measuring system and another and they were doing the thing that they do nowadays you know they make the potato chip bags a couple of ounces lighter and the price goes up and you don't notice it until one day you're like hey there's two potato chips in here and i paid like five dollars for this bag it's full of air well, you know, there's nothing new about that. They were doing that back in Napoleon's day. And he was trying to stop that from happening to his people as they went to the store and were getting cheated. So, yeah. So anyway, bottom line is he was not short. There was a measuring system going through changes. And uh, so French feet were bigger than English feet. So he only measured 5.2 two of those French feet as opposed to the five seven of English feet so there you go so now it's Hervé Villachez complex not Napoleon complex got it truth is the mother ain't it okay so number seven still sticking with history Cinco de Mayo is not Mexico's Independence Day I bet you thought it was bet you blew off all your fireworks too but the celebration of the Mexican army's victory over the French in the Battle of Puebla on May 5th, 1862. That's what Cinco de Mayo is celebrating. Mexico's declaration of independence from Spain in 1810 is celebrated on September 16th. So you got like, you know, six days, seven days, no, five days before you can celebrate Mexico's independence. So, you see some Mexicans driving by with fireworks and stuff and you'll go like, oh, what is the occasion? Well, it's, you know, Mexican Independence Day. Duh. Okay, number eight. Something about fashion. I went to the library last week to get the DVD for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid because I was studying William uh, Goldman's work, the screenwriter for that movie, among others. And I got Gunga Den out because that's one of his favorite movies. And I was trying to figure out what set him off to write the action adventures that he has written. From Gunga Den being his favorite film to, you know, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Anyway. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid are wearing bowler hats in between 
their usual cowboy hats. Cowboy hats were not initially popular in the Western American frontier. So the hat John Wayne had would more than likely be a derby or a bowler hat. Being the typical headgear of choice, heavy marketing of the Stetson boss of the Plains model in the years following the American Civil War and remember that was after 1865 was the primary driving force behind the cowboy hats popularity with its characteristic dented top not becoming standard until near the end of the 19th century uh-huh so you have to repicture all those cowboy flicks with John Wayne riding around in a derby or a bowler hat uh, yaha pilgrim yeah, check that out. Truth and lies. Fake news. See? We've been believing bullshit for years here. This is nothing new. Two more to go. Number nine. Of course, this one you know. The Great Chicago Fire... Oh, you better know it. The Great Chicago Fire of 1871 was not caused by Mrs. O'Leary's cow kicking over a lantern believe it or not no there was no cow mrs o'leary's cow didn't kick over a lantern a newspaper reporter invented the story to make colorful copy fake news 1871 damn this goes back a ways don't it last but not least number 10 one of our favorites is going to be coming up into view in another couple of months santa claus now a little backstory on Santa Claus. I was researching Santa Claus for a job. We were putting together a proposal to uh, get McDonald's on board with the theme park we were creating called Shireland out in Marengo County. This multimillionaire guy wanted to be Disney and uh, Thomas J. Smirt, and we were tasked with putting together the visuals and the videos and all that stuff and we were researching I had a book it was in a book not that a book is infallible a lot of shit is in books that you cannot believe like anything written by Donald Trump uh, okay I'll leave him alone uh, I was told in this book that Santa Claus got his red costume because Coca-Cola company designed it and it was Coca-Cola's colors. And it was believable the way the book presented it because in the book there were pictures of Santa Claus in green suits, blue suits, pink suits, plaid suits, polka dot suits. But the common image of Santa Claus, Father Christmas as a jolly old man in a red robe was not created by the Coca-Cola company as the book claimed. And it was not created as an advertising gimmick, despite being historically represented with different characteristics and different colors of robes. Santa Claus has he had already had his modern form in popular culture and seen extensive use in other companies advertisements and other mass media at the time Coca-Cola began using his image in the 1930s. Coca-Cola being smart marketers just claimed that Santa Claus was wearing their colors, the red suit, they invented it. No, they did not. They just lied. Fake news. 
fake news 1930s there we go fake news has been around a while so it makes sense to keep your mind alert and agile to see the world without a preconceived notion of what you are looking at be more analytical from time to time take things that you think you know for certain and deconstruct them revisit them turn them over and walk around them like sculptures in your mind it's okay to rethink what you think you know an elastic mind is a healthy mind don't let your thinking stiffen until you can't think straight and the sum of your mind is fossilized to thought that's the path to becoming a bonehead it's been said that the two most plentiful things in existence is hydrogen and stupidity so distinguish yourself with an elastic mind and leave the hydrogen to the mad scientists
WHPK 88.5 Radio. There are three ways to listen to the pop machine on WHPK Online. Number one, WHPK.org. Number two, iTunes. Go to College section and scroll down until you see WHPK. Number three, the TuneIn Radio app at www.tunein.com. There is a fourth way. Go to thepopmachine.net and there you can download or stream any of the shows broadcast up to this point. If you're the police, where are your badges? Badges? We ain't got no badges. We don't need no badges. I don't have to show you any stinking badges. Better not come any closer. No sea tonto, hombre. We didn't try to do you any harm. Why don't you try to be a little more polite? Give us your gun, and we'll leave you in peace. I need my gun myself. Oh, throw that old light on over here. We'll pick it up and go Norway. You go anyway without my gun and go quick. <laughs> 